Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. This episode of Slam the Gavel is sponsored by CPS Protect Consulting Services. A child protective services case is one of the most frightening experiences for any parent. Don't face it alone. Face it with confidence with urgent assist by CPS Protect. You can have access to former CPS investigators to make sure you preserve your rights and protect your family. If you're facing CPS involvement and aren't sure where to turn, their child welfare consultants can help you. Visit cpsprotect.com forward slash subscribe and enter the coupon code slam the gavel for 10% off your first year of urgent assist. And this is available in all 50 states. I have another announcement. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away five months ago. He is autistic and needs structured routine therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to the Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will be then taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul at 518 518- 474-8390. That's Governor Hochul at 518-474-8390 to please keep Bradley here safe in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. I've got two guests on. I have Kenneth Fignali on. I have had him on my podcast before on season four, episode 39 and episode 85, where we talked about cybersecurity. And now I have a new guest on with him, Cynthia Euphrasio. She's a divorced mother of four children with three daughters under age who solely rely on her at this time. Biological fathers are not active in the girls' lives. Cynthia dated a friend from middle school who she knew most of her life. She never saw the red flags of what would happen decades after they met and dated for several months. The abuser was charged with burglary of habitation with a hate crime. They never lived together, and Cynthia had ended up the relation had ended the relationship two months prior without communicating with the abuser. On July 3rd, 2020, the abuser broke into the home she owned in Cypress, Texas. Cynthia and her daughters were in the living room. She saw a look in his eyes that she had never seen and feared for her and her children's lives. As she attempted to remain calm as possible, as her daughters witness a brutal attack, the mental damage and fear has been a struggle for the entire family. A neighbor had seen the abuser and luckily called law enforcement. As she pleaded for him to calm down, you could hear sirens getting closer and closer. The abuser fled the scene. Cynthia took her three daughters and left everything to seek a safe place in fear he would come back and murder them. Now, law enforcement has reached out to Cynthia to press charges on her abuser and she complied due to murder threats. Cynthia and her four children at the time, her son was still a minor, were relocated and assisted with a magistrate order of emergency protection and placed under a domestic violence organization who assisted in relocating and assisting with housing and moving expenses. And I'm going to have Cynthia and Ken come on because Ken has been a big help to Cynthia during this time because apparently law enforcement has been an issue with uh, police brutality noted and witnessed. I welcome you both to the podcast. You know, where are you at with everything? How did you get involved with all of this, Cynthia? Uh, first of all, I thank you for having me on your show, your podcast. Um, and uh, currently the situation is still ongoing even after um, three years, almost a month away from three years. Um, my daughter was, my 11 year old daughter was taken from me last Thursday. Um, and I have not seen or spoke to her since. What did you do? Uh, she was just taken and... Well, it was the last day of school, uh, Thursday the 25th, and the counselor had called me uh, from school and notified me that Avery's friend had said that Avery mentioned uh, she was feeling suicidal 
and if she could speak with Avery and I agreed and you know she went to school that day and then my sister offered to pick her up you know take her to go have ice cream and bring her home which she frequently does Mm -hmm. uh so she did she picked her up and um then she refused to bring her back uh so I had to call law enforcement myself out to my parents home where they would not release my daughter to me I have primary custody of her and have uh her whole life um her father's not involved and um law enforcement took it upon themselves to um I guess contact the father as well as CPS um and the father went out and they released her not CPS but law enforcement um pressured her into saying that she would agree to go with her father. And she hasn't seen him at all for how many years? Much. Uh, Last time she saw him has been probably like a year ago when CPS had placed her again, like without a court order Mm -hmm. with him and asked the fathers to hide the children while they build a case against me so let's say for example in the past four years she's seen him three times he doesn't call on birthdays holidays or anything this is just so um that's um that's also um i want to say custodial interference which it is a felony kidnapping how come they're not being charged with or you maybe you haven't gone after them for this I want to get my daughter home safe prior to you know enforcing any criminal uh charges against um anybody who who's who was involved in criminal activity mm-hmm. and how did you meet Ken um Kenneth was uh when I had to relocate from my it was my second relocation from the um, domestic violence agency. Um, he lived in the same neighborhood and I found him on next door where he advertised, um, you know, his business about, um, you know, cyber security um, per se. So I had already filed a report previously um, about, you know, I was being cyber stalked. I could hear like clicking on my phone in the middle of the night. Mm. Uh, so I knew something was up, you know, but law enforcement said they did not have the resources to look into that. So I, I was very uh, weary about, you know, uh, even the post that Kenneth po- posted because um, I was like, well, let me make sure, you know, this is not somebody related to my abuser and it wasn't, he lived in that neighborhood for a long time. And so I basically took a chance and I messaged him and I said, I need help. Mm -hmm. And he did. And he confirmed that um, all of our devices were um, extremely, um, you know, monitored um, and, basically packed and this is terrible you know you know ken what did you think of all this when you went through all of the devices um i don't know i mean did you have alexa in your house too some people have that and people can get into that too from what i understand i personally did not have alexa in my home no mm-hmm. it was uh my devices like uh mine and my daughter's cell phones and uh laptops and uh, also there was interference in my uh wi-fi you know when you notice these things i know you said you mentioned you heard clicking what other things did you notice if a device your devices were hacked. How did you, you know, were there other clues to that too? 
sometimes I would hear static in the background or if I was trying to make an important phone call about um, certain situations that pertain to uh, serious matters, the line would drop. Um, the battery would drain very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I even heard like people, like two people speaking, but you couldn't understand what they were saying in the background. So my, my phone was spoofed, meaning it was duplicated, um, duplicated to where they had access to every app on my phone, including my location at any time. So they were, they committed fraud, uh, identity theft, IRS, um, fraud, um, you know, drained my savings and I never recovered the money from that. Um, and so on. I mean, Kenneth knows a lot more about, uh, the extent of how that works, because I, I really, you know, when I s asked for help from law enforcement, they told me that they don't have the resources to do the research on something like that. So Ken, what do you think? I mean, here they hacked into everything and they, her savings is gone. She can't even get her savings back. No, yeah, when I was, you know, when she first hired me and I began to look at her devices and her kids' devices, you know, I found things like spyware installed so they can, you know, like Cynthia was explaining, they could track where she is at all times, which would explain where, you know, that's, that's how, you know, her abusers and stalkers were, you know, able to somehow show up at innocuous places like the grocery store you know, she's around town at school. So, you know, they're able to keep, you know, very close tabs on her. Mm -hmm. um, and um, no, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, very, you know, it is heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, the, the level they went to, to maintain access to her, you know, her life, her digital life, her physical life, uh, it was, was pretty astonishing. So, um, you know, we were able to confirm, you know, remote access to her computers, um, people accessing her ring cameras and, uh, deleting videos, you know, from her account. Um, so, you know, we upgraded, uh, you know, I, I encouraged her and advocated she go to a hardwired system. Um, you know, we're, we're the, you know, the DVR, for example, is local. So that reduces that risk of, of, um, you know, hacking. So, uh, you know, they basically compromised her at every level. So it took a while to, um, you know, piece the, you know, put the pieces together. And then, you know, I was able to provide, uh, you know, some reports. I use, you know, I use tools like uh, magnet forensics for, um, you know, some of the imaging and processing. And I was able to provide this data to law enforcement, to a prosecutor and a former attorney of hers. Um, and it did help resolve some of those cases because I was able to show this is why she couldn't get these messages, these calls, these notifications about hearings and things like that. It's because, um, you know, her abusers had compromised her and they were hijacking her, her text messages and things like that. So, uh, you know, we put in better controls and, uh, you know, things are always evolving security, whether physical or cyber is not, you know, one and done. So even though I put something in place or work with her on something, it may need to be addressed later on, updated, whatever. Um, so strategies continue continuously evolve. So, um, and in a lot of cases, it, it did help, um, you know, resolve some of her situations. But uh, unfortunately, there are some hanging out out there still that we're trying to work through. I'm sure things are always constantly evolving, as as you said. Uh, you know, how often are you checking her devices? Um, you know, I, I have, you know, given her a secure phone. Um, uh, so, I mean, when I lived there, I was checking them pretty frequently. And then I've got controls in place where I can, you know, check it remotely, check the computers remotely. So, um, you know, I have a regular cadence, you know, process where I do that, um, you know, to monitor and then, you know, she reaches out to me if uh, there are any concerns or, or issues and, you know, I'm able to, you know, help address them or, um, 
you know, provide alternate means of communication, you know, such as, uh, you know, secure phones. You have to do that. You know, going back, Cynthia, you know, what happened with the Cody Martinez attack that led to domestic violence situation and, you know, how these, how this led to the interaction with law enforcement and CPS? Um, well, uh, the attack happened two months after I broke up with him. Uh, what caused me to break up with him was uh, a boundary that he crossed, which was calling me out of my name in front of my children on Mother's Day. He called me the B word. So that to me, um, it, zero tolerance. Uh, I ended things with him. And, you know, I didn't speak to him, even though he would attempt to contact me for two months. And two months later, he broke in and assaulted me pretty badly. Um, that led to us going into the uh, care of, you know, the domestic violence organization who had promised, you know, therapy, counseling, and so on, so many other resources that they had mentioned that it was going to be provided aside from, you know, the relocation and housing. Those resources were never provided to us. Uh, they, I'm not sure why I had questioned why at one point, probably like six months later, and they said they were short-staffed. And so, we, you know, we had continuous trauma. So it wasn't just one isolated event. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, it's really just been really difficult because um, it, it's been back to back um, issues that have prevented me from, you know, being at peace with my children and, and raising them in, in an environment where everybody feels safe. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't know what, you know, I have never been in that position. And, you know, how did you find a place to live? Um, how did I find a place to live? Uh, I mean, well, I was on with domestic violence. They, they housed me uh, two separate houses, but I, um, I did hire uh, CPS Protect, uh, which they gave me your promo to have a discount because of my daughter's situation. So I have spoken to John Rosenthal, and he had mentioned to me that a lot of domestic violence uh, survivors are basically targeted by law enforcement and CPS in a way that is in negative light, uh, which I feel none of the major issues that I had was until I was labeled a domestic violence victim. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry that has happened to you and, and your kids. You know, um, uh, with the um, relocation, you eventually found, you know, some place to stay. Did you have family or... Any family? Um, yes, I'm staying at a uh, family member's uh, home right now. Um, but also, like family, it's also now uh, involved in a negative way as well um, because of manipulation of my my ex husband, which is another story. But um, but we. Um, whereas, you know, I have a safety plan in place, any home we live in for, for my girls. And, um, you know, I know that at any point in time, there is a threat, you know, uh, like there's, it's never stopped. Um, but I feel more now so that it's law enforcement and CPS and the, their abuse of power, um, for instance, Avery uh, being taken without, you know, any grounds to take her away from me. Um, 
I've had, I've called CPS several times to try to, you know, schedule an appointment for them to see my daughters and they failed to call me. I've called uh, in the past week, I, I probably called over 30 times. Uh, okay. And, uh, but th- what they do is they send welfare checks. They send officers that will come and like at midnight, like sound like they're going to break my door down and terrify my children to where they hide in the closet under a blanket. Oh. How wrong. They in order to, uh, enter my property. So, uh, and, and Kenneth, I called Kenneth when it happened the first time and he heard how loudly and disruptive they were, uh, very aggressive. And so with them behaving like that, traumatizing your children, and then CPS places your children with their fathers who probably haven't really even spent much time with them in the past, not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't understand why CPS is doing this to people. I wish I had an answer for that. I, I wonder about that a lot myself because I, I don't understand. And like I said, I wasn't placed in this type of situation until I was labeled a domestic violence survivor. Um, so that's when like there was back to back issues with law enforcement and CPS and CPS threatening me and, you know, doing things that are actually illegal mm-hmm. um, as well as law, law enforcement as well. And I, I would, I wish I could understand why, um, but I, I don't understand their their way of thinking. Mm-mm. No, I don't either. Um, you were arrested by Fort Bend County Sheriff's Department, and they charged you with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, as well as evading arrest. Um, what happened to you? What did they was that like a false arrest type of thing? Uh, yes, I was actually protecting my property and actually I had called Kenneth because the fence was uh, basically cut and altered because I would go out to my back patio every day and he lived in the neighborhood. So I called him out to come take a look um, and he was present during the the arrest. Uh, so were my daughters and um Basically, um, I mean, I did have a weapon, but I did not point it mm-hmm. or threaten to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like our lives were in danger um, because the neighbor did threaten me and Kenneth did tell law enforcement that. And so they have, uh, I'm still fighting the case, actually. I have court tomorrow. And um, the evading arrest was dropped because I didn't evade arrest. So I believe that they, the two officers assaulted me on the false evading arrest. And I have photos that my body was black and blue from head to toe after I was released. Um, And I was handcuffed. I mean, I was helpless, basically. doing anything I wasn't speaking or being combative I didn't have a weapon on me I was compliant and um and they have a body cam and dash cam footage of them going to the neighbors to ask questions and on the way to the neighbors and then on the way to my home but not anything that happened outside of my home or inside of my home when they attacked me, basically. You know, Ken, what did you think of all of that going on? You, you can't stop them from behaving this way towards, towards this petite woman. <laughs> no, it was, it was horrendous. And I mean, I, <clears throat> if you remember the George Floyd protests, right, during COVID, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cop 
uh, not to get political, but I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of issues, you know, while I do support law enforcement to an extent, there is a major issue, especially in Texas, of, you know, uh, law enforcement that <clears throat> um, <laughs> they, they basically let the, the power get to their heads, right? Mm -hmm. So when they showed up, you know, I know they turned off the body cameras. I know they turned off the dash cams. Uh, you know, I know they've altered evidence, you know, spoilation. That's another conversation. But when I witnessed this, I was trying to explain to them. I told them she had a, <clears throat> a previous injury she was still recovering from. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I believe it was her shoulder or rotator cuff. Um, <clears throat> it's been a while. Uh, so I said, listen, she is, you know, she's been compliant. She's unarmed. There's no reason for you to, you know, be doing this. And mm -hmm. so uh, at one point they said, do you want to pick her up? And I said, uh, you know, I looked at, at Cynthia and, uh, you know, I wanted to get her consent and I didn't want to just leave her, you know, laying there like an animal. It was horrible. Like it was, I also have copies of the photos of the aftermath. So, but the bottom line is it, it is frustrating, you know, as a, a citizen, as a friend, as a neighbor, as a professional, she hired, um, you know, to witness this, right. And feel helpless and powerless. And then seeing, you know, the massive injustice that she's still going through, uh, over a year later, uh, you know, going to court tomorrow. So, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, heartbreaking is not even the right word for it. I'm like, she's got her daughters in there. She's unarmed. She's been compliant. And, uh, you know, one thing to note is a couple of the officers that showed up, I had recognized from previous calls, you know, when she would call uh, for concerns about, you know, people being on a property, they would make jokes of it, you know, every time. And every time they would ask me, Hey, is she on drugs? Is she like mentally ill? And there's, there's, there's another case I dealt with in Texas, not to take away where, you know, this lady was a, was a well-to-do lawyer mm -hmm. uh, and she was getting similar treatment, but uh, you know, Cynthia's is by far, the worst scenario I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, you know, there, there needs to be justice in the sense of, you know, freedom and repercussions for those law enforcement officers for what they did. I know they cut off their body cameras when they were talking to me on scene, they said, you know, you know, they, they asked if I had been drinking, uh -huh. if, you know, if she was intoxicated, if she was on, you know, any drugs, if we were doing drugs together, I'm like, well, look at me, no. I said earlier that day, I had taken her to a medical appointment. You know, I was helping her run some errands because, you know, she has other medical issues that make it difficult to drive. So I said, I spent a good chunk of the day with her. And at no, <laughs> we had our daughters too. At no point in time were drugs or alcohol in the equation. And quite frankly, in the almost two years that I've known Cynthia and her daughters, I've never seen her touch any of those substances. So, she has always been about the protection of her daughters and their well-being above and beyond her own. So we've had a lot of conversations about this, a lot of heart-to-hearts about, you know, um, you know, as long as her daughters are safe and okay, you know, that's that's all she wants in the end. She's not as concerned with, uh, you know, herself in a way, right? So it's always been about her daughters. So all the work I've done, you know, with her in partnership, you know, we've done you know, when there are other physical security issues I got involved in, you know, it's always been about, you know, making sure the kids are safe and they're fine and then, you know, worry about her later. So, which is commendable because, you know, there are a lot of people out there, both mothers and fathers that don't have the same mindset when it comes to their own kids, their own family. So, I mean, which you've heard on, on your podcast plenty of times, I'm sure. So, um, but I mean, to not, not to hijack the conversation, um, it it still is horrific and i i've talked to cynthia about it a lot you know about you know those events that that transpired and it wasn't the first time you know she had been assaulted by law enforcement so mm -hmm. uh, again yeah some of the greatest trauma has indeed come from law enforcement sadly um the people that are sworn to protect you know serve and protect they there's a lot of bad apples mixed in with the good ones. So, um, you know, like Cynthia said, 
you know, they, they, they had their mind made up about her. They always wanted to get her on some mental health issue. So mm-hmm. she's been cleared by multiple doctors. So that's not even part of the, the conversation, but they continue to try to force that. But CPS has been instigating this, it, it appears. Do you think? Yes, I don't want to speak out of turn. Cynthia, I'll let you. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think you feel the same way. I think uh, we have both spoken on, because you've been there through a lot of the law enforcement issues, as well as the CPS issues and, and uh, KDISD as well. And I believe they all kind of work together against me. So there is there is that, and I didn't I didn't speak to you before the show, Cynthia, about this, but um, I don't know how to say that. Uh, but there is, you know, an insider, if you will, somebody close to the family that um, has been coordinating a lot of this. So there there are recordings that I have. So I have a lot of physical evidence on, you know, who has been instigating a lot of this with, uh, you know, specific end results in mind. So, um, and it's just unfortunate. There's, there's one or two people in particular close to the family, I'll say. I don't want to speak out of line, Cynthia, uh, you know, on, on, a, on a public channel, but um, they're basically two primary people internal to the family um, that are instigating a lot of these calls. So, and they, they've admitted and said, and I actually had a master investigator in Texas tell me this, that um, he can't confirm or deny, but there is basically one source where these calls are coming from, which is someone close to the family that has, um, they do have a lot of issues of their own, suffice it to say. So not a medical professional, not a psychologist, um, but there are things that they're involved in that uh, they shouldn't be. So um, it's just basically they've weaponized CPS mm-hmm. and law enforcement against Cynthia and her daughters, um, which is where a lot of the repeated trauma keeps happening. Uh, over and over again so no no real respite you know this is common um i've heard this theme in multiple podcasts with other guests where you know family is instigating uh there's a lot of family dysfunction and uh there you know apparently blood is not thicker than water you know (laughs) My, my mother would always say blood is thicker than water, but not anymore. Uh, you know, people are calling CPS, they're weaponizing CPS, they're wasting tax dollars is what they're doing. Right. And um, now in other, other cases I, I get involved in are swatting, doxing, things like that, right? Where law enforcement are called against other, you know, like you're, you're a public personality, right? You host the show all the time. So if somebody you know, disagreed with you or did not like what you were talking about, they could call law enforcement and say, you've got a gun at your house, you know, you've got hostages. And so a lot of states have been enacting laws where those are misdemeanors all the way up to felonies, right? Especially because people have lost their lives. And I think this situation like Cynthia is going through needs to be treated in the same way. It's no different. The impact is still the same. Loss of life, traumatized children, you know, single mothers uh, being traumatized. So I, <laughs> I, I would love to see legislation passed and enforced where, you know, kind of like after making a lot of fake 911 calls, there are fines, there are jail time consequences. Mm-hmm. The same thing needs to happen with multiple false allegations of, uh, you know, these CPS, um, you know, calls. Mm-hmm. So these, these tips, these anonymous tips are not really anonymous. But that's that's what I think the conversation needs to be is people being held accountable uh, for their actions, especially when after every single case, Cynthia has won every single incident, right? CPS comes in, they do their investigation, they cause a lot of havoc, a lot of you know distress for the children, for Cynthia, despite her being compliant. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's just like, you know, after a certain period of time, CPS should should realize this is just a waste of resources. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just traumatizing this family over and over and over again. There's like, what are we doing? So 
for anybody listening to this podcast, you know, I would love to, you know, elevate these conversations to change that, you know, for Cynthia and for others. So, um, and I apologize for getting on my, on no, my soapbox, but no, I, please I, do, you know, yield the floor back to, to Cynthia and, and yourself, Marianne. So it's something I'm very passionate about. And it's just like, it just, it makes sense, right? Because like you mentioned, a lot of people are going through this and there's no consequences, you know, for this bad behavior, this criminal behavior, but there is for, uh, you know, other similar false allegations, false calls. So, um, Oh yes. And it's, as you said earlier, multiple, I mean, I had multiple calls on me with indications that I had to hire a lawyer and fight off. And uh, there's no consequences for these individuals that waste taxpayer dollars. Right. That Uh, has to pay a judge to listen to this uh, ridiculous story that he's going to roll as, you know, exonerate me, for instance. Right. And, and, you know, legislation has to be passed. Something has to be done with these individuals that are making multiple phone calls. I know of one gentleman that had, I think he said 45 calls on him. When does it end? I don't know. I mean, it impacts a lot of people. I mean, it impacts people across all social, social dynamics, right? Part of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. right? Rich, poor, you know, Hispanic, white. I mean, just, it doesn't impact just one particular segment of the population it mm-hmm. impacts a lot of people and predominantly from what i've personally been involved in you know cynthia's uh, you know single mother so it, it just needs to change so um yeah i know i have a good friend um you know he's a former cia case officer served there for many years and uh, he went through something similar uh from his ex-wife so i know it impacts you know both genders it's not just a gender specific issue so um you know it tears apart families careers mm-hmm. you know mental health so it's uh, something that really needs to change and i think i'm trying to have these conversations with um you know others i know and uh you know bend the ear of of uh politicians anywhere i can uh you know people that can make a difference this is, you know, I feel, Cynthia, I feel so bad for you and your daughters because when they look at a policeman, they're going to just be terrified. I can't imagine, you know, you want to raise your kids to respect law enforcement and know that you will be protected and that's their job. I uh, know they've already, uh, you know, they all three of my daughters, um, you know, 14, 11, and seven are terrified of law enforcement and CPS caseworkers and officials. Uh, they are terrified because of what they have seen, that what they have caused, and the ongoing, um, you know, traumatizing the children. It's not, to me, it's not just the, the taxpayer dollars that they're wasting on continuous investigations, investigations, but the children that are being traumatized Mm -hmm. by repetitively being questioned, taking photos of strange questions, which, you know, things that don't go on in our home and um, asking them in different ways to try to, you know, I I think it's it's really sad. uh, But yes, no, my children are terrified of law enforcement and CPS. I'm so sorry. Where are you at now with everything? I know you're staying with, you know, family, but, you know, you've got court tomorrow. You know, what are your thoughts on court tomorrow? Um, My thoughts on court is that they're trying to give me right now four years in jail because uh, it's a felony charge. Uh, that I was protecting my children on and, uh, you know, um, and they first had offered, uh, if I, if I signed and said that I was, uh, crazy or, you know, mentally ill, that they would dismiss those charges. And I said, but I'm not, so I'm not going to sign. 
Well, they offered a dismissal based on if I agreed that I was. Oh my God. <laughs> law, like mentally lost and psychotic. I wonder why they're always playing the mentally ill card. It just seems like a common thread. So now you don't know what's going to really even happen to you tomorrow. And you were just protecting uh, your children. Uh, I know that it's not the final trial. I'm actually trying, I'm taking it all the way to trial. Um, uh, but so it's pre-trial tomorrow. So they're probably going to try to negotiate a plea bargain. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's unbelievable, but it is believable because uh, you know, I hear things like this a lot. Yeah, I just, you know, what what do the grandparents think? I mean, if I was your mother, I'd be horrified. Uh, my mother is actually um, one of the people who... Um, you know, I, I was, you know, I guess like, uh, verbally abused, uh, physically abused as a child, um, by my mom, but, um, she does it to my children as well. So they don't, you know, spend too much time there. And I love her from a distance. I've forgiven her for everything, but she's not going to do that to my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, it, it's really like just me and my daughters and that's really our family. That's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's such a shame. Um, you know, you're going through this, you have a lot on your shoulders and you still have not seen your youngest one at all. And that's got to be highly stressful extremely uh i've been crying every day it's been a week and three days now um i've lost uh several pounds from you know not not being able to eat um law enforcement has come over here at least three times trying to break my door down uh, to do a welfare check um since then so um so yeah, like 10 days, it's been 10 days, uh, lack of sleep. Um, it, it's been rough. Yeah. What about you know, your other daughters? Are they asking about the younger one? Where is she? They're probably wondering where she is. And I mean, this is like yes. My youngest, uh, my seven-year-old keeps looking at pictures of her sister on her cell phone. Mm. And um, they miss her. And, you know, we miss her. But I feel um, that everything happens for a reason. And I have faith um, that she's okay. And I have faith that she will come home soon. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to have faith that all this will straighten out. You know, it's just, it's just too bad that you're, you know, you're so young, you have a young family, you need to just live your lives and not have all this going on. We plan on doing that as soon as we uh, wrap up some loose ends, which is, you know, the court uh, we plan on relocating and mm -hmm. starting over so we can, be free from all of this. You know, they I deserve. Was... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I said they they deserve that. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as states that I've heard that are really bad, I've heard you know Texas being bad for with CPS. Uh, you know, New Mexico, Arizona. Um. You'll have to look hard at where you want to move. You know? Yes, I'll definitely have to do a lot of research. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, yeah. Uh, it's too bad. I mean, 
I'm glad you've had Kendalene on. You know, it's just definitely. I think he is an amazing person in everything that he is knowledgeable in. Uh, he's believe he has saved our lives at least three times from murder attempts. He has stopped them in their tracks. <laughs> and I, I know he has, he's, he's an earth angel. Uh, he does amazing work. Uh, you know, he did amazing work securing, um, you know, our, our home internet when we lived in that neighborhood. Um, and basically providing like a, a shield of security, um, in the cyber world, uh, for us for some time. Um, you know, and, and, it really did help us for a while. You know, do you ever think, when will this really be over with? Uh, I do think about it a lot, actually, because I don't want my children to suffer anymore. Um, but I have to be patient. Um, I feel to have the, the most positive outcome, I have to trust and be patient. It's so hard to do that, uh, to sit, sit back and, uh, put it in God's hands. That's all I can do. Right. Uh, because I don't have the strength to, uh, carry on. He's the one who gives me the strength to um to basically um live my life every day mm -hmm. right now because your 14th amendment rights have been totally trampled on it's so unfair <sighs> yeah i never saw um, all the injustice until, like I said, I was labeled a domestic violence victim. So I didn't know about the um, uh, corruption or the illegal stuff that went on, or I didn't, you know, think that it was a thing here in the United States because I was born in Mexico uh, and it's very known to be corrupt there. But no, I, I think... Uh, it's, um, you know, United States is, they definitely conceal a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a shame. It's a shame. You know, um, I'd like to have you back on the podcast, you and Ken again. Um, if you want, you know, viewers to if you you know if they have any questions for you if you want they can come through me through my dismantling family court corruption.com to reach you i'll just send you questions and i'll answer them for you i would greatly appreciate that mm -hmm. is there any advice or anything you you could offer to someone else that could possibly be in your position um, learn, learn your rights mm -hmm. and, you know, never give up. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and Ken, how, what, what do you think of all of this? You said this is like the worst thing you've ever seen. It, it really is. Um, <clears throat> you know, from all angles, from, you know, the parental alienation, you know, the <clears throat> turmoil that her own blood you know family is causing mm -hmm. uh, you know I, I think in a lot of cases it boils down to greed um uh you know when it comes to her family and what they're after you know Cynthia and I have our have you know pretty much narrowed down the the why it's just a matter of finding a way to get it to stop so um it there are a lot of hard lessons and I'm not giving up on Cynthia. You know, I stand by her as an individual, as a mother. Um, that's why I continue to fight as long as she, you know, allows me to, to be involved with her and her family. So I'm not going to give up. I'm always trying to find 
uh, you know, additional resources. I don't know everything. I don't know everyone. So, you know, I'm thankful for podcasts like yours, where it's opened the door to other people that have other knowledge that I just don't have. Um, and like Cynthia said, you just, despite all of the, you know, the evil, right. The pure evil going on, you just, uh, it's easy for me to say because it's not me, it's not my family, but I've been there for a lot of things in person. So, um, you know, keeping the faith, not giving up and, you know, especially knowing your, you know, rights as a, as a citizen, um, is really paramount, you know, doing your homework and not, <laughs> not just taking whatever your lawyer says as gospel, not taking what cops say is gospel. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, her current daughter or her 11 year old is gone because of a, a personal decision of a law enforcement officer. So, um, you know, which I over, you know, I listened to. So um, there is a lot of corruption while there's a lot of good, you just have to, you know, keep networking, keep pushing through, uh, you know, keep your faith in God. Um, and just uh, keep pushing. And can, how can people reach you if they have any questions? Um, so I do have, you know, my own business, Signature Peace of Mind, uh, dot com. Um, and then we also, you know, I am chairman of the board for a nonprofit called We Create Warriors. Uh, so I'll put a little plug in there if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> we may be welcoming a new board member soon, hopefully. Um, but uh, we have a website called We Create uh, Warriors dot org. Um, so we are recognized in Texas. We're working to be recognized by the IRS this year. Um, but, uh, you know, people can reach out uh, through these different channels. So I try to be responsive when, when people reach out and uh, do my best to help. Well, I appreciate both of you coming on and sharing this with everyone. And, you know, I hope things settle down. But again, I'd like to have you both back on for an update. Thank you. I would love to. Okay. Well, hey, uh, don't jump off. Uh, Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Kenneth McNally and Cynthia. You, um, you, I'm trying to pronounce your last name. I'm so sorry. Um, Euphrasio. Euphrasio. Thank you. Very sorry. I'll have you all back on again. And uh, thank you so much. <laughs>